We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. We're delighted to have Micah Wilder from Adams Road Ministry with us today. In 2006, Micah was set free from the religious bonds of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when he was led into saving faith of our, with our Lord Jesus Christ. This church has been more commonly known as the Mormon or LDS Church. Now through Adams Road Ministry, Micah and his team have dedicated their lives to spreading the good news of the gospel. Micah, we're honored to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. We've been buzzing about this conversation with you for weeks and just so excited to hear all about God's hand of grace in your life. Can you tell us about Adam's Road and how did this all begin? Yeah, well, so as mentioned, I I was born and raised into... um, the LDS Church, also known as the Mormon Church, and uh, I grew up in the Midwest in Indiana, and a very strong uh, LDS family. We were very active, we were very devout, and um, it, it was so embedded into our lives, our lifestyles, and everything that we knew. And even amongst my family, I was probably the most de- uh, devout and zealous of, of, of the children, and just always had this passion and this zeal for God through my religion. And then when I was a freshman in high school, uh, my family and I left Indiana. We moved to Utah, and then uh, it was there that I really became deeply entrenched and enmeshed in, uh, in, in the Mormon Church. And everything that I knew, my culture, my friends, my, my, um, my community, I mean, everything was very deeply rooted in this religious system and culture. And um, we lived in a little town called Alpine, and it was about 99% LDS, and so... Um, I, I kind of, at that point in my life, really put all of my heart and soul into being a faithful follower of Jesus as I knew him through my religious construct. And um, I was very much kind of like Saul, where it says that he was like a Hebrew of Hebrews, and I was kind of like this Mormon of Mormons. And I had this desire to make myself right with God through my religious system, and I didn't know or, or I've never been taught that there was any other way to right standing with God outside of, you know, the laws and the ordinances and the commandments of, of the LDS Church. And so in my heart of hearts, I wanted this intimacy with God, and I wanted this love, and I wanted this forgiveness and this favor and this grace. Um, but I believed that in order to have them, I needed to prove myself to God, and I had to show Him that I was good enough to receive them. And so I was doing all these things according to, you know, the structure of my religion, and I was following the commandments, and I was following the ordinances, and I was obedient, and I was doing everything, you know, to the best of my ability, and if, you know, just like Paul said, if anyone could boast uh, in the law, it was him, and I kind of felt that same way. I felt like I was really doing the best that I could to follow, you know, the, the commandments as I knew them according to my church. And so when I was 19, uh, I went on a two-year mission trip. And so I I went to Orlando, Florida, and uh, I arrived in 2004, and just a very, very dedicated, uh, passionate, hardworking young Mormon missionary. 
And uh, about four months into my two-year mission trip, I, I was so uh, so zealous that I actually attempted to convert a Baptist minister. Um, and it's amazing how it's amazing looking back how how God just He so deliberately uh, puts us in places and situations where He can He can reach out to us in love and in grace. And and I, I went to this. Baptist pastor with with the full intent that he was unsaved and that he needed to convert to my religion in order to have eternal life, in order to have the best that God had to offer. And uh, as a result of this experience with this uh, Christian minister, um, he very lovingly and very graciously shared the good news of Jesus Christ with me. And so I sat there in his office uh, with my Mormon mission companion trying to convert him to, to Mormonism. And uh, for the first time in my life, I heard the the pure, simple gospel of Jesus Christ and and the simplicity of what Christ had done on my behalf, and that he had borne in his body my sins on the tree, and that he had taken the the full penalty of what I owed God because of my sin, and he had taken that upon himself on Calvary, and that he had paid in full the debt that I owed to God so that I could be given eternal life as a free gift to be received by faith, and that it wasn't something that I could earn or be worthy of. It wasn't something that I could work for. It wasn't something that I could, you know, establish through a system of of, of laws and ordinances and commandments as I had always believed in, in the church in which I had been raised. And uh, at the end of this meeting, after sharing the gospel with me, he gave me a very unique challenge, and that challenge was go home, pick up the Bible, and read the New Testament like a child. And what he meant by that was, Put away your preconceived notions about what you've been taught your entire life. You know, basically take off your religious goggles and, and come to God as a child with their father and humble yourself and, and empty your cup and allow God through his spirit to show me the truth. And so as a, as a passionate young LDS missionary, I readily accepted this Baptist pastor's challenge, not because I was doing it in humility or because I felt like I needed to learn something, it's because I believed that reading the Bible would only solidify what I already knew, <laughs> and it would only you know, solidify my already unshakable testimony in my religious system. And so I, I, I kind of set about to prove him wrong, and so I spent the rest of my two-year Mormon mission um, reading the New Testament faithfully every day as I traveled all over the state of Florida. And um, of about... 20 months or so, um, I, I actually read the New Testament uh, 12 times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was there that God began to open my eyes, and it was through His Word that He started to reveal to me the the truth of the Gospel um, in the same way that Pastor Benson had shared it to me uh, almost two years earlier. And that was simply that Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life, and that we're saved by grace and not by our works. And and uh, I remember reading Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, and it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And and realizing that, that my whole religious system was based on me trying to prove my worthiness to God, and yet the gospel is God showing his love to the unworthy by sending Christ Jesus to do for us what we could not and never would be able to do for ourselves. Yeah. And that was satisfy the law on our behalf. And so... I came to this epiphany as a, as a young LDS missionary um, through 
a, a dozen times of pouring over the New Testament, and God slowly was pouring the water of the Word of God over my heart. And I finally got to the point where I could clearly see what the gospel was. I could see who Jesus was and what he had done for me. And I realized that, that I had never truly received that free gift of righteousness by faith in the name of Jesus. And so with about three weeks left of my two-year mission trip, uh, I was born again, and I was I was uh, made new, and, and, and I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And, and I finally... Um, had the guarantee and the assurance of my right standing with God, and I no longer had to work for it or, or try to earn it, but I could, you know, boldly approach the throne of God's grace, knowing that I, I was right with God because of the blood of Christ that had covered me and cleansed me and, and forgiven me. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, um, I found myself in a, in a difficult situation. I was born again. I was a Mormon missionary. My mother at the time was a tenured professor at BYU. My father was a high priest in the LDS Church, and everything that I knew and loved was was so rooted in this culture. And um, at the end of my mission, I had this opportunity to publicly stand in front of my missionary peers and my Mormon leadership, and I was able to share my testimony of what I had learned as a missionary. And of course, my testimony was different than uh, every other testimony, because I had lost my faith in you know, this religious system, but I had gained all faith in Christ alone. And so I got up there and I said, Jesus is the only thing that I need, and I am saved by His grace and not by my works, and I now know that I am right with God, independent of any religious structure or authority. And so as a result of that testimony, two days later, I I actually got called in by my leadership, my religious leadership, and and I ended up getting kicked off of my mission um, because of my profession of faith, because I found my right standing with God in, in Jesus alone and not in the tenets of Mormonism. And so I got on a plane, I went back home, and I had to face my family and my friends and, and, and the community and culture that, that uh, was so embedded in this religion. And uh, to the praise and glory of God, God used me to plant a seed in the hearts of my family members um, and so I basically uh, told them, just read the Bible and come to know the sufficiency that you can find only in Jesus. And so um, my older brother, Matt, uh, my younger sister, Katie, and both my parents, um, within the, about a year and a half or so, all came to Saving Faith in Jesus. And we're all born again as well. Um, my Mormon girlfriend at the time, uh, who I'd been dating in high school and I had been corresponding with throughout my two-year mission, uh, she also was born again. She's now my wife, and we've been married 13 years and have three children together. And uh, one of my, um, the missionaries that I served with, uh, Joseph Warren, uh, he also came to Saving Faith in the Lord Jesus, and he's now a full-time part of the ministry um, that that I'm in called Adams Road. And so it's, it's been an amazing and a wondrous journey to to be a firsthand witness of of the grace of God and and to be able to to sit here and, and to not take any credit or, or or to boast at all in anything that I've done to be where I am now, um, but to simply know that God gave me His love freely when I didn't deserve it, and and He offered Jesus as as a ransom for my sins when I didn't deserve it, and I was unworthy, and, and to be able to boldly say that, that the grace of God is sufficient for us, and that the blood of Jesus cleanses us, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And so now I'm part of a full-time ministry called Adam's Road. Um, we've been together for almost 13 years now, and we're comprised of all former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Um, we've had membership that's kind of come and gone over the years, but currently uh, my, my older brother, Matt, is, is in the group. Joseph Warren, as I mentioned, one of my, um, you know, the missionaries that I served with in Orlando. And, uh, and the other um, member is, is uh, her name's Lila LeBaron, and she was actually born and raised in the LeBaron polygamist um, fundamental Mormon um, sect that wow. is located in Chihuahua, Mexico. And so she has a fantastic testimony as well of coming to the grace of God. And so we travel um, all over the U.S. and Canada uh, for about four months out of every year, and we share the gospel in, uh, in music form and in spoken form through testimonies in the Word of God, and uh, just love to proclaim um, the love that we've come to know. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's an incredible testimony of how God can reach anybody you know, through as long as you're willing to just kind of approach His Word and His truth. Yeah. With honesty. Yeah. And I think that's been a good lesson, you know, for us in, in ministry, because I think that so many people, as they see people in their lives, uh, whether they're in the LDS church, whether they're in the Jehovah's Witness organization, or whether they're Muslim or atheist or whatever, and, and we have this sometimes mentality that, that God can't reach people in, in, in these types of groups, mm-hmm. and, and that the gospel of Christ has limits, and, and the power that it has to reach the lost. And, and I think that we need to get over that mentality and we, we need to, we need to come to the Lord and, 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 and approach ministry with, with the mindset that anybody is savable and, and that the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes, you know, without prejudice. And, and that message is to the world. And that, you know, here I was a, a Saul like Pharisee, you know, a Mormon of Mormons. And, and the last person that, that most of my Christian friends would have ever expected to now be standing in the grace of God. And yet here we are. Right. And uh, it's such an important lesson to know that God can save anybody. Can you explain uh, in in what ways that our Savior Jesus Christ, the Christ of the Bible, is different from the Christ of the LDS Church? Yeah, yeah, great question, because, um, in fact, when I was speaking with this Baptist pastor, he actually mentioned to me something similar to that, where he basically said, the Jesus that you know is not the Jesus that I know. And I remember, number one, I was very offended by that. And uh, but I was very taken back by that, and 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 I was confused by it because I didn't see it that way. But now that I can look back and I I've understand both sides, I can see that the the Jesus that I knew and that I followed um, it, it was not the same Jesus that I now know now through the Word of God. And and the main reason is because the Jesus in in the LDS Church proclaims a gospel that is contrary to the saving gospel that we find in the New Testament, in that the way to eternal life, the way to reconciliation with the Father in the LDS Church is not the same as as is proclaimed by both Jesus and, and, and the Apostles throughout the New Testament. And, and we know, as Paul was called as the gospel, you know, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that our, our righteousness is by faith, and that our righteousness is imputed towards us from Christ to us through faith 
and his completed and finished work. And in, in Mormonism, it's not the same, and, and it's a different gospel. It's a different way to right standing with God. It's, it's ordinances and commandments and laws and, 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 and obedience to man and a man-made structure in order to establish righteousness through obedience rather than receiving righteousness by faith. Right. You mentioned earlier that after you accepted Christ, you found yourself in a difficult situation and I can only imagine what that must have been like. Your family was so deeply embedded in the church. Could you expound on that a little more specifically? What kind of struggles were you facing? What kind of fears? Yeah. Well, for me, um, and, and for many Latter-day Saints, and I know it's different for each person, but but for me at that point in my life... Um, my family and I lived in a very prominent and wealthy community that was almost, I mean, it was 99% LDS. My mother was a tenured professor. My girlfriend was LDS. I, I uh, was attending Brigham Young University. Um, so it was it was my life, you know, not my physical life, uh, you know, like many of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, you know, that they have their physical life at stake. But for me, it was, it was family, it was friends, it was community, it was reputation, it was relationships, um, and, and even education and scholarships and, and, and all the things that I knew and loved. And, and I knew that, I remember my, my, my religious leader called me um, two days after I shared my public testimony, and he said, we need to talk. And I remember getting off the phone with him, and I, and I remember the reality and the gravity of the situation just um, overwhelming me because I realized in that moment that if I if I profess what I really know and if I if I share what God has really done in my life and what I now understand through the Word of God, then everything in my life is going to have to change. And I know that it, it may seem extreme, you know, something like Mormonism is is kind of an extreme case, but it's it's the reality for everybody. Because when we accept Jesus, our life changes, right? Mm -hmm. Because we die to our old self, and we're crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us, and we are called to take up our cross and to follow Jesus at the expense of the world. Mm -hmm. And so God was calling me, take up your cross, follow me, give up the world, and, and, and do you know, what I'm asking you to do and, and follow Jesus. And, and, and it was a terrifying prospect, and I think for many people it is, but, but the reality is that when we come to know the sufficiency of what Jesus offers us, then there's nothing in this world that we're not willing to give up. And I think that that is kind of evident of, of a true testimony, you know, for those of us in Christ, is that we find our, we find our greatest treasure not in, in the wealth of this world, and our prosperity is not measured in, you know, um, the treasures of this land, but, it, but it's measured in our relationship with God through Christ and the adoption that we now have and the heirship that we have in Him. And, and, and that's, what I, that's what I realized, was, was it, in the end, it doesn't matter what I lose. It doesn't matter what my parents think or my friends or, you know, losing my reputation or, or even if it came down to my physical life, because none of those things can compare, as Paul said, to the, to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And that's an encouragement that, we should, that all of us as believers should have, is, is knowing that Jesus is worth it, you know? And our ministry slogan is, Jesus is enough, and, that, and that's what it is. It's, it's their sufficiency in Christ Jesus alone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
So as a part of the LDS Church, what kind of things gave you security and happiness? And how have those things kind of changed since your faith in Christ? Hmm. Well, some of the things... Well, an odd thing that gave me security was having kind of this tangible way to measure my right standing with God. Hmm. And uh, I know that might sound weird, but, you know, in a, in a structured religion... Um, that kind of has checklists on what you need to do to be right with God. It was kind of nice to know, okay, well, I'm paying my tithing, I'm going to church every Sunday, I'm going to the temple, I'm following the Word of Wisdom, I'm following the Law of Chastity, I'm doing all these things, therefore, you know, I can kind of be right with God. And so I think I had a, a somewhat of a sense of an external security and happiness, but yet ironically, I think internally, um, I still had... I still had a, a guilty conscience before God. Mm. And so, I, and I love that passage in Hebrews, you know, Hebrews like 9 and 10, and, and you know, where it talks about that, that, that only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And, and, right. and, 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 and so it wasn't until I knew Jesus that I was able to, to, to find the peace on the inside that, that I thought that I had on the outside. But mm. we kind of had a utopian life, you know, in, in, in the Mormon church, and you know, we, we had a good life and everybody was, you know, happy on the outside, but ultimately, you know, there is no peace outside of Christ. And and once I found Jesus and realized what he offered, I realized that, you know, my hope was, was only in the things of this world and it was never in, in the things that are unseen as they are now. And so now my hope is in Christ and, and not in the world and, and it's a, a much better place to find myself in. In your mom's book, Unveiling Grace, she she mentioned that you, at a young age, went through severe illness, and then shortly after you were saved, you went through, I guess it was another illness. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so when I was, I think I was 16, um, I had just gotten back from a a church excursion up in Wyoming, and what we what it, it's called a trek, and it's basically mimics you know the pioneers um, crossing the plains, and so we would kind of live primitively. And on that trip, I got a tick and uh, ended up contracting um, a rare disease called Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. And so uh, it's a very it, it's similar to Lyme disease. Um, and so yeah, it was a very challenging time of my young life and it was difficult and painful and and to this day has caused you know irreparable damage to my immune system and mm-hmm. and um and my nervous system and and part of that a kind of a side effect of that um contraction was was a a nerve disease called Guillain-Barré and so that's something that I've dealt with um for years as well but you know but I praise God I'm I'm healthy and um you know <laughs> But God used that even at that point in my life, even though I was still LDS, it um, it taught me to rely on Him, and, and, you know, there were moments in that that, uh, you know, ended up kind of helping me, you know, find the truth in Christ later on. So. Right. Yeah, we wanted to ask you about that. When you, when you look back on that time, do you feel that the Lord has used that to shape you in any way? I see my life as as a tapestry, and and I feel like um, God's been painting the whole time, you know. And it's not until you can kind of step away and see it that you realize, you know, how He's had His hand in so many things. 
at so many different times and, and how he's been so deliberate about um, I mean, here's a great example. When I received my original mission call for my Mormon mission, I was supposed to go to Mexico City, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah, um, I had a spontaneous lung collapse, which is just a, it's just a bizarre thing. I, I, there was no physical contact. There was nothing to there, – there's kind of no impetus for this to happen. It just happened mm-hmm. out of thin air. And because of this, um, I ended up getting my mission call changed, and I got sent to Orlando, Florida instead. And, and I look back, and I can see, you know, in my experience with Pastor Benson, you know, the Baptist pastor who shared the gospel with me, as, as well as many other people and situations and scenarios that God put me in right here in Central Florida and, and how he used those in order to ultimately draw him to himself. I just—I'm just—, I, I'm just I'm I'm amazed at, at at how sovereign God's hand is in our lives, and, and how deliberate He is in in putting us in places, you know, that ultimately bring us to the truth of of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I see that and and many other things, you know, as as uh, simply markers and just catalysts of getting me to where God wanted me to be. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, your ministry is uh, outreach ministry about reaching those uh, for Christ and. For many believers, the thought of going to the lost to tell them the story of Jesus is pretty frightening, and Christians fear that task. Uh, sometimes we're afraid of being mocked. Sometimes we're conv- we convince ourselves that no one's interested in hearing the gospel. And you know, whatever the excuse might be, it keeps many believers silent. You know, you've certainly been an example of a zealous and faithful witness for Jesus. What encouragement would you give to a brother or sister in Christ who wants to overcome the fear? and be more bold in their witnessing? First, I, I would say that uh, two things. I would say two things. Number one is that nobody is beyond the reaches of God's grace. So we can't ever be afraid to share it, even with the people that may be the most intimidating, um, because we, we simply don't know how much God can do in their lives in such mm. a short time. And so that's the first one. And the second one is I think we we so often get this mentality that it's our responsibility to save people Um, or that, uh, you know, it's all about what we know and how we know and how we can say it and all these other things and our eloquent speech and language and, you know, apologetics and everything else. And and I think that sometimes we, we, we can't see the forest through the trees and we lose sight on what evangelism is. And what evangelism is is sharing the gospel. And, and it's pointing people to Christ, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to make a change in people's hearts and lives. And it's one thing that I always go back to is that challenge that, that Pastor Benson gave to me when I was a 19-year-old Pharisee was go read the Bible and prove me wrong, basically. <laughs> and what an awesome thing, because he simply said, I'm going to allow God to make the change in your life because I know that I won't ever be able to do that. And so... Along with that, I think we have to realize that, as the Scripture says, we we plant seeds and we water seeds, but God is the one who does the growth. And so we're afraid of how somebody's going to respond to the gospel, and you know what? It doesn't really matter how they respond, and it doesn't matter what they think about us, and it doesn't matter if they reject us or reject the message or whatever, because our our calling— 
as the Great Commission is to go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. And so that's what we do. And so we share Christ, and we share the Word of God, and we share the gospel, and then we trust. We trust God that He is going to work in their hearts and lives just as He did in mine. And um, we're not necessarily going to make this miraculous change in somebody's life in one conversation, and, and we may never even know what happens to somebody when we share the gospel. But we just plant seeds, and, and we water those seeds, and we allow God to do the growth. And so I think it's an encouragement because when I sat down with Pastor Benson, and I you know, had this meeting with him as a Mormon missionary, um, he told me years later, he said, I walked away feeling like it was a totally ineffective meeting, like, like, like nothing I said had any impact on you, because I was angry, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was angry at him for what he said. And so I think that that's a lesson that, you know what, it's not always going to go the way that we expect or the way that we want, but our calling is to plant seeds and to point people to God's Word and to allow God through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, you know, to reach people and to draw people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, we certainly love our LDS friends and family, and our heart's desire is that they would come to saving faith in the yeah. true and living God. Can you offer us advice on winning Mormons in particular to the Lord? Yeah. Um, number one thing is um, is pointing them to the Word of God. And, and that's not just to Mormons. I mean, that to me is, is evangelism 101, because I think that um, too often we take for granted the power of the Word of God. But it's living, it's, it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so our encouragement is always, always, always point them to the Word of God. And, and people often say, well, what if they don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Or, you know, Mormonism even, we, we, we believe that the Bible is corrupt and mistranslated. And my response to that is what somebody believes about the Bible doesn't change what it is, right? right? And so there is power in the Word of God, and when people read the Word of God, I mean, I read the Word of God for 20 consecutive months, and and it was the Word of God that that changed my life and changed my heart. So that's the first one. And the second one is, and and I love what you just said, we love our LDS friends and family, and any time that we share the gospel devoid of love, then then we we are but a clanging symbol. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that the, the core of, of discipleship and the core of the gospel itself is love. And too often we see people trying to win arguments and trying to bash and trying to tear down and, and right. doing all these things instead of proclaiming the truth in love, which is what we are called to do. And so I think that if we have a heart um, of love, of compassion, of understanding – for our LDS friends and family, and I think if we're equipped and armed with the Word of God, not not as a way to attack them, but as a way to pierce them with truth, um, and uh, and then allow God to work in their hearts and lives. And and I know that sounds simple, but um, it's to me the most effective way to to reach anybody with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of, of of people come out of religious systems. Um, like Mormonism, to faith in Jesus Christ because of the Word of God and the Gospel. Good advice. Well, as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, we want to ask, how can we pray for you and your family and your ministry? Well, um, 
we're actually getting ready at the middle part of June. We'll be heading out on the road um, for basically four consecutive months. Um, we'll cover 25,000 miles in that time. And uh, we'll be away from our families and our wives and our home. And, and it, you know, it's, it's challenging at times. Um, but it's so rewarding and so fulfilling. And so I, I would just ask for prayers, you know, as we prepare um, to go out into this, this kind of ministry season for us, to go out as, as traveling missionaries, evangelists, uh, witnesses of the gospel, that um, God will be preparing people's hearts um, right now and uh, continue to, to give us strength to do what he's called us to do. We want to thank you for your courage to share your story and the message of salvation on the show today. Uh, your testimony has certainly inspired us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and we'll be praying for God's riches, richest blessings on your life and ministry. Thank you so much. It's, it's truly been an honor, and um, we praise God for what, what you are doing, and uh, it's, it's great to, to be part of, of, of this beautiful and wonderful body of Christ um, that has the opportunity to witness the love that has changed our lives. For our listeners, to learn more about Micah's ministry, you can go to adamsroadministry.com by clicking in the link found in the podcast description. Lynn Wilder's book, Unveiling Grace, is a must-read for Christians trying to win their LDS friends to Christ or just trying to understand the doctrinal differences between the LDS Church and the Word of God. Last but not least... A great big thanks to Adams Road Ministry for sharing their scripture-based song, Good News. There is one thing of most importance. Christ died for our sins. On the cross was Stand firm in the good news that you have.